Hello and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, the Star Trek part podcast, the Star the Trek for part podcast. No, no, we exactly. are now a Star Trek and country music podcast. Dear God, that's why it's a podcast. Jesus Christ! Partner. I turned on my TV to watch the DS9. I had myself a brew and I was feeling mighty fine. My wife, she left me and she took my dog. Guess who we saw this week? It was Ensign Nog. Da, 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 da. Okay, okay, well done. Kind of well done. Musical, it's musical, like like musical improv, man. Yeah. Really it's fucking all hard. I'm good for. Point, points That's off it. for no mention of pickup trucks. But, I know that that clearly. But I wasn't mentioned a my song. my woman and my dog. Yeah, that's true. You, and you a hit, beer. Hit, I mentioned beer. Guys, well, we I only had four lines. I did what I could. We okay. haven't gotten to the pickup truck truck episode of Voyager. She can be forgiven. Is there that's a pickup fair. truck episode in Voyager? Yes. Yeah. Woof. Anyway, as I was saying, this is a star to steer her by a oh, yeah. Star Trek podcast. My name is Caitlin, and joining me today are Jake, Chris. And Ames. Whoa, cool. And we're here to talk about two episodes of Deep Space Nine. This week, we're talking about The Begotten and For the Uniform. Oh, and then The Begotten. Odo's a daddy. Oh, cute. It's great. So Quark sort of quasi almost tricks him into buying a sick changeling that he thinks might be dead, but he's not dead. He's alive. And Odo starts nurturing him and being like, I'm, or them, I'm going to be everything my daddy wasn't because I'm mad at my daddy and I'm going to treat you with respect and talk to you. And I'm going to kind of, it felt like he was like Montessori shape changeling (laughs) schooling. This is a sphere. Here's a sphere. If you feel like it. No pressure, no pressure, no homework. You do what you want. And is it Julian who suggests, like, maybe call up Daddy Dr. Mora? No, actually, I think it's, um... Yeah, it was Cisco. Cisco. Oh, was it Cisco? And Odo's like, no, I don't want him here. He shocked me with the laser beams, and I'm still mad about it. Which, I'd like, be mad about it. That's legit, you know? But anyway, he's hang- He's chilling with his, his shapeling child and... Shapeling? Changeling. <laughs> And nothing's really happening, but then Dr. Mora shows up and is like, let me start measuring him immediately! I'm gonna electrode him! And Odo's like, uh... <laughs> And, like, slowly but surely, like, Odo kind of vents his resentment to Dr. Daddy, and Dr. Daddy's kind of like, okay, but, like, one day you just left and never came back, and I'm not part of your life anymore, you could maybe call. And ultimately, they wind up working together, and... They get the changeling to respond a little bit here and there. And in one final, really actually kind of touching moment, the shape that sh- I keep, keep calling it a shapeling, which I is like not a shapeling. thing. I like shapeling. Shapeling sh- sounds shapeling. good. Yeah, I guess. Uh, he doesn't yeah, do forms I, yet, so he just does shapes. True. I don't know where, but I just don't know where it's coming from. My brain is obviously mixed. My brain is a shapeling. But anyway, the little changelingette actually tries to form a little facey face to connect with Odo, and it's really sweet and lovely, and, you know, they get to sort of be like, oh, Dr. Mora, your electrodes were, like, kind of a good idea, and Dr. Mora's like, yes, but Odo, you didn't respond so well so quickly for blah, 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 whatever. They're both right. 
They got to work on their issues. It was really, actually really sweet. However, because everything looked like it was going really well, a twist happened, and the changeling, it turns out, is dying. Because it had been, like, irradiated, I guess, and they think maybe that's why. And Odo's like, no, don't do this to me. And the changeling's like, hey, what's up? Suck me into your body. And voila, Odo has his changeling powers back again. And he shows this to us by hawking around the promenade. (laughs) I was like, hey, there'll be no flying on the promenade. And Chris was like, who's going to enforce that? And I was like, yeah, good point. So Cisco. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Cisco. So that was nice. And he and Dr. Mora maybe now can be like friends and try to like have a relationship and whatever. I don't know. Maybe we never see Dr. Mora again. I have no idea. Anyway, that's the A plot, I guess. On the B-plot side of things, Kira's about ready to give birth, but it turns out the Bajorans can't even fucking do giving birth in a normal way. So they've got a midwife and several instruments and all this shit. But what's nice is, though, as Chris mentioned when we were watching, like, it sort of seems like they don't have to suffer through any pain while they're giving birth. So Bajorans, I guess they got it down, sort of. But in order to actually manage to have the baby, you have to be completely relaxed. So... They can't uh, do that with drugs. I guess not. Not if you want to be all natural about it. Oh, and of fair. course, Kira does. She wants to do it the traditional Bajoran way. And, you know, it's so you've got, you've got Yapora, the Bajoran midwife, on the drums. We've got Keiko on guitar. And they put, <laughs> they put Miles on the triangle. Nice. He keeps fucking it up. Stupid asshole. I mean, what can you say? He's just... Yeah, he was, Did you expect him to have day. rhythm? Look at the man. It was a goofy day for the O'Briens. And it was. I don't know why this was like this. Keiko was pissed. I like, listen, Keiko, you know who you married. You didn't Ke- think expect him to be good at rhythm shit, did you? Caitlin, you put it best when they were like, you need to keep rhythm. Then you shouldn't have brought in a white guy. Yeah, no, you fucked up. Especially an Irish white guy. Well, I didn't say that. That's Chris's words. Well, uh, to encourage me, I mean, speaking as a, an Irish white guy. I don't know. You Irish, probably would. Ireland has music, right? You know, there's like it, it does, but in general, the average. But do they have music that they do? Do they have music in the same sense that they have like cuisine? Though, I mean, no, no. When they're they singing have three foods, when they're singing songs about hating <laughs> all the English, they got really good rhythm. Well, and there's uh, the Lord of the Dance. There, he's he's Irish, right? Yeah, we don't talk about him. All right, fine. Anyway. So they actually managed to get Kira to the point of relaxation and we think we're about to give birth. And then fucking Shakar bursts in the room and is like, oh, hey, Kira, how's birth giving going? And they're like, fuck. And they have to stop. And they're like, all right, it's not going to happen now because someone showed up late. So then they're back in the O'Brien's house and Miles is giving her like a foot massage or something. (gasps) He's going to bang her. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, that's obviously what's happening. So Shakar's like, I'm going to take over. And the two of them are bickering. And Kira's like, "Uh, I got to have a baby now. Guys, I'm going to have I'm going to have this. Guys, I'm going to have this baby. And they're like, ah. So they rush into the rush her back to the hospital and they start again. Keiko's back on drums. Does great. Sorry, no guitar. Anyway, whatever. Who cares? But now. Shakar like doesn't want O'Brien getting too close while Kira's giving birth, presumably because he doesn't want her to see her hoo-ha. And O'Brien's like, she's been living with me for four months. And Shakar's like, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? So they get thrown out of the room because they're being dingbats. He helped out of the bath a bunch of times. Yeah, dude, he's seen it. Also, 
Yeah, no. He's seen it. And it's fine. It hasn't been, well, I guess it almost was sexual that one time, but I would like to think that in general it's been very, like, platonic and family-ish and not gross and creepy. And there's nothing, like, I'm pretty sure, even if you're into vaginas, watching one as it's giving birth is probably the opposite of erotic. I'm sure there's someone out there who would masturbate furiously. Probably, but in general. But I don't think it's Miles O'Brien. And again, wanting to be there for the birth of your child is like what we call capital T, total, capital N, normal. Yeah. So like Shakar being a dink. And Shakar also kind of like has some bullshit to say, like, next time you have a baby, don't include my girlfriend. And it's like, the fuck is wrong with you? No one planned it this way, you dick. So what I'm saying is I fucking hate Shakar. Yeah, anyway, he's really dumb now. Yeah, he sucks. So thankfully, though, with the boys out of the room, they're able to get Kira ready for birth having. And at the last minute, they let the two stupid assholes back in if they <laughs> promise to keep their stupid fat mouths shut. And they have a baby. And it's a really cute baby, I guess. Nope. I don't know. It's a baby. Nope, nope, nope. It's a baby. And now Goblin. Kira's kind of like, man, now I kind of want a baby. And Odo's like, I know what you mean. Let's and go have they, a baby. And then they, that would be good. And they go for a walk. The oh. end. They go and kidnap a baby. <laughs> Raising Arizona. Yeah. So yeah, I I liked this episode. For a little bit, I kind of hated it. I like the Odo side of this episode. Well, yeah, that's the rest what I mean. was just. It was because they had to get the baby out of Kira, so they had to basically yeah. have this plot. They're like, Kira finally had, Kira, Nana finally had the real baby, so time to get this prosthetic baby the fuck out of here. Yeah, You're gonna use it to make Morden's butt. But at least, like, it's over, and we don't have to have any more polycule shenanigans with the O'Briens, and I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'll miss it. I actually, I liked them as a group, but... Yeah, it also means we're going to see a whole lot less of Keiko, because as, you know, she's gonna be raising the baby, busy doing baby shit, and I guess there's so many, like, extra, like, child actor laws whenever you have to have a baby on set... They just didn't want to bother with it, so we're going to see so much less Keiko. I mean, that makes sense, though, and I suspect it's expensive and shit with the babby, so I can imagine. Did I mean, they we say we haven't the... seen all that much Keiko anyway to uh, begin yeah. with? So that's true. Again, she's usually hand in hand with Molly, who, although not a baby, is still a child and is still a pain in the ass. Yeah. Well, and more, the... and more importantly, she wants to be away from Miles as much as possible, which we all understand, so. Yeah. Did they say the baby's name in the episode, or is it just something that we're going to learn eventually? I don't, I don't remember them saying the Because they... the, the, the it it's up online, and so I wrote it down. The baby's name is Kira Yoshi. Huh. Uh. <laughs> James has listed as the O'Brien's infant thing. Which I like. That thing. What's the, is there any, like, relevance to the name Kira Yoshi? Do well, we know? Kira's in it's, it. It's Kira's name, and Yoshi sounds Japanese. Yoshi is from Mario. Yeah, I was gonna yes. say, and Yoshi is a dinosaur from the Mario Brothers <laughs> games. Yep, that's what I thought, too. Uh, they took the baby out and no, said, no, oh, you look like a dinosaur thing. That works. What year was this made? I'm about to make it make sense. What year did this come out? It came out in 1997. All right, hold on. I just have to ask the internet one thing. When, nope, when, stop, when, when, God damn it! when did <laughs> Yoshi's Island come out? 
That's like 94, 94. Okay, then here's the connection. Yoshi carries baby Mario to safety. That's what Kira did. So the name Kira Yoshi totally fucking works. Well done. Well so done. good job, Keiko. We thought it was bullshit, but actually you nailed it. It does sound like I was wondering if maybe it just happened to be a real Japanese name they found with Kira in it. It's not, because if you Google Kira Yoshi, everything is just Kira Yoshi O'Brien. Yep, I bet. Well, I'm just saying, but but again, it's cool. We fit, we found it out. They yeah. did it right. It's good. Yep. We're perfect. It's a child of three cultures now. Yep. Mm. So are we going to see a lot more Shakar? Because every time I see, we see him, he like kind of falls further and further into like infantilism. Like, I feel like the next time we see him, he's literally just going to be like wearing diapers and <laughs> Sitting at a tiny desk. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that photo. Oh, I haven't seen that photo, so I don't know what you're talking about. No, you about. have. I showed it the other day. It was, it was Trump at this like weird little desk oh, they okay, just like, yeah, had seen like that. hot glued the presidential seal to. <laughs> but yeah, like I just don't especially after the like do you like me check yes episode, I didn't yeah. really think it was possible for them to like make Shakar more of a fucking baby, but now the fact that he's like, keep my girlfriend out of your baby making next time. It's just like well, they're Dude. giving him all this guff about being late when it's not like they planned to have the baby that day or anything. It just happened, and they called up, called him up and said, get here as soon as you can. Like, where the fuck was he? He was probably out mini-golfing. He was in the <laughs> middle of his par three. I mean, he's the president of Bajor. He's probably busy. No, he's probably, he's probably playing mini-golf. That tracks. <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine the president of Bajor has all that much to do. Uh, his, his, I feel like his planet is always threatening to collapse or devolve into civil war. Yeah, but like, yeah, real politicians are handling store, that, though. You know? I also was confounded by the fact that he apparently doesn't have his own ship. Yeah. Because like at the end, it's like, shuttle, blah, blah, for Bajor departing. It's like. The, there's no Bajoran equivalent to Air Force One. He just has to take a public you think, flight. You think they plan that far ahead for what to do with their leaders? No. <sighs> well, also, like, they're kind of podunk. I wouldn't expect them to have a nice ship for the president. I don't know. Plus, like, they sort of don't go anywhere. Feel like they're pretty, like, xenophobic-ish or something. I so I kind of feel like maybe they don't need... They don't have a plane, or not a plane, but like a... You think the goddamn Federation would insist then and just give him his own runabout? Well, they were gonna, but then they decided not to join the Federation. That was gonna be part of the signing bonus. Yeah, thanks, Cisco. They blew it. No, really, thanks, Cisco. Yeah, thanks, Cisco. Okay, then maybe not a runabout, but maybe a really nice shuttle. They could, like... Yeah, Captain's Yacht. Painted that ungodly shade of orange they paint a lot of their ships. Yeah, couldn't tell you. Like I, I said, feel like, signing bonus, they blew it. Yeah, I feel like they just decided, okay, we need Shakar here so that he and, oh, and he and Miles can bicker. Because that's what you want out of a sci-fi show. Yeah, I hated it. I think a better episode would have been uh, Kira has the baby very early. And then we actually focus on her struggling with the idea of, like... Because, I mean, it's an interesting concept. Because, I mean, I, you know, I imagine... That being a surrogate can be difficult. I've had hmm. people go in thinking like, you know, hey, it's just a gig, it's some this, it's some that. And I'm sure there are occasions, probably more often than not, where surrogates do end up sort of like having a weird sort of separation thing. Yeah, and especially. Fact, I guess... No, you finish. 
And especially in Kira's case, where it wasn't even like a planned surrogacy, you know? Like, it would have been, yeah, I think it would have been more interesting to see sort of her dealing with the separation. And then, like, you know, the weird question of, like, so, when you moving out? Don't want to rush you! You know, you know, like, like, what's the? What are we gonna do with the afterbirth? Like the, who gets to keep it? I mean, I imagine the Bajorans have some weird fucking. They certainly do. uh, Thing. Oh God, they probably eat it. You gotta give it a little. Definitely an eat it culture. You gotta give it a little earring and a hat and sing a song to it before you throw it out. (laughs) Yeah, but anyway, I read that Nana visitor. Like originally, it was planned that. You know, Kira would give up the baby. She'd be like, there you go. Now we're done. And that'd be it. And Nana said, you know, I just had one of these. Like, I understand the emotional attachment someone who births a child has yeah. to that child. Let's wedge in a one-line scene about how I miss it. Like, I felt like it should have been way more than that. Yeah, like it should have been, like I said, it should have been the episode. That would have been a bit that more interesting. That would have been way more interesting. Um, and you could have had it, therefore, dovetail a little more effectively with Odo's. Like, exactly. I get how they dovetailed, but it could have been more... The dovetailing could have had more of an impact. That's true. That's true. Well, and the one thing, too, is, like, I feel like she has... Kira has the opportunity to still be in the child's life if she wants to be. Like, it's not like they're taking yeah. it away and they're saying, get the fuck out. It's just, you know, it's not... She's not getting to have it as her her baby, but she can still see it anytime yeah. she wants, I bet. But, uh, you know, I'm sure any of these impulses she's now having, you know, she's not going to be there constantly. It's not with her in the same way. Whereas, yeah, Odo, like, absorbed his, and it gave him his superpowers back. Yeah, so there, there was an interesting parallel, I think, with the Odo storyline here and, yeah. um, and Lol. Yeah. Mm, this episode, it's like yeah. they killed off Lol again. Yeah. Well, you know, so except, you know in, in that case, you know, the, the big difference, obviously, is that Data created Lol because he wanted a child. Yeah. You know, Yoda, so uh, Yoda, just, <laughs> uh, baby Yoda on the brain. Yodo. Um, Yodo. Yoda has baby Yodo, you know, because he bought it from Quark out of <laughs> curiosity, apparently. Well, Quark thought he was friggin' selling him a corpse at first. Where did, where did Quark get it? A traitor, he said, I think. That's so weird. Well, there's probably a bunch of them still out there floating around. Yeah, the Changeling's so, like, plan has been very stupid to just send out these babies like they're, yeah, like they're salmon what, and say they'll come they back. Off, where do they fucking get off saying no Changeling has ever harmed another now? No right? kidding. Like, they send this one out and it literally died. I know, and basically, like, they say, like, oh, we have to see if, if when they come in contact with other sentient beings... If the sentient beings will will care for them instead of kill them, but basically it sounds like anyone that finds one of these things has to do a ton of freaking work to make it into an anything. Yeah, especially considering it looks like you know dirty dishwater. I feel like if you happened upon it, you'd be like, "Ugh!" and you'd just dump it down the drain. Yeah. The oh fact God, that a slime any- mold. Jesus. Yeah, that's probably going to make somebody sick. Let's get rid of that. Or it just looks like jello, and they're like, oh, God, nobody likes this. Not since the 21st century. Not since oh, my great, 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 great grandmother. Did anybody want this shit? Oh, speaking of jello, I, I looked up because they had to come up with so many ways to do the, the, the baby changeling practically. Because, you know, this is going to be an expensive episode if he, everything he does is digital. 
Yeah. So they, well, you know, they made it all these like shit. So it's sometimes, a good yeah. So so I learned that Odo's natural state when they just have a pool of Odo laying around is actually Murphy's oil soap. Oh, okay. Which is very easy to clean up. Yeah. But they also it's made got as the many, word soap right in the title. Yeah, they made as many goo things as they could practical out of like I have a list of uh, gelatin, hot melt vinyl, and Nickelodeon Ooh. style slime. Ooh. I was going to joke at one point that it was Nickelodeon slime, but it actually was. That's funny. Somewhere Mark Summers watches this episode and just has horrifying flashbacks. Mm. <laughs> Poor Mark Summers. Uh, what would he do? Nah. Nah. Uh, I liked uh, that show. It was a good show. But back to this. Apparently, Dr. Mora has found the prophets since we last saw him. Because he's wearing an earring? Yeah. So he wasn't in the first one? I actually don't even remember. No, he wasn't, because I remember I was like, I feel like we remarked on that, and I looked up the, epi- the episode and sound- found screen caps, and yeah, he wasn't wearing one in the last episode. Hmm. Interesting. Why now? Maybe they just realized they'd forgotten to the last time? Maybe it's to show more, like, visual proof of the differences between him and Odo? Maybe. I don't know. Well, maybe he's just gotten more religious or something. Yeah. Possible. No, he's, not, he's, he's got a paw wraith in him, that's why. Yeah. Well, especially I mean, like as a scientist, you, you could see... <laughs> I feel like anyone who is a scientist would be skeptical, you know, of religion. So maybe in his older age, he's just... Uh, he's dotting his I's and crossing his T's just in case. Well, there's also just been now, like we've said before, so much actual proof of the existence of their gods. That's like, true. They're the one religion that can be like, yeah, no, our gods are definitely there. Yeah, and yeah. we talk to Cisco sometimes, and Cisco's got all these visions and shit. I'm imagining, like, the Bajoran equivalent of Richard Dawkins just, like, tearing up his books in, in a rage. Yeah. Yeah, and really everyone should be converted to the Bajoran religion. We have a reminder in this episode that Mora was under pressure by the Cardassians yeah. to make this to make this baby thing, yeah. make this little changeling thing happen. And then all of a sudden Cisco walks in, and this struck me as very strange. Cisco walks in and says, if you guys don't get a way to communicate with that blob that you have on your desk, Starfleet Command is going to get involved. And I said, where the hell did that come from? Which, like, well, it makes sense, though, doesn't it? Well, I mean, my thing is, like, yeah, I'm sure they want to, and I understand why, but it's like, that goo's not yours. Yeah, Odo bought it. Yeah, he paid for, for it. Strips. And he's, as far as I, I mean, we assume he's a Bajoran citizen. Like, or whatever his citizenry is, it's not the Federation. Hmm. So they can't just steam in and take his stuff. Because again, yeah, Starfleet's there and they're helping oversee the thing. But I think technically it's a Bajoran station still, sort of? Very yeah, great. I don't think area. the Federation would give a shit. And I don't think there's anything anyone could do to stop them. No, that's true, but it is some bullshit. Sure. Like, that's definitely some, like, do as I say, not as I do wankery. Which, yeah, we'll get to yeah. that. It also struck um, me as not very Cisco-like. This whole ep- this this whole week is going to be the not very Cisco-like week because you know he strolls in and you know treats it like just a like a task on a list instead well, of Odo. You know you're my friend. I understand the thing you're trying to do. 
Well, he's just delivering a message. We don't know what would have happened if it had really come down to it. Plus, you know, as soon as the baby changeling could make itself into something that looks like a baby changeling that he could have held in his arms, he would have been, like, immediately obsessed. I'd like to think if it lived long enough for Starfleet Commander to try to take it, it just morphed into a huge middle finger. (laughs) But yeah, like, Odo, I get why he had his misgivings, but, like, he was definitely at first, like, overly paranoid. It's like, yeah, yeah, like, you don't want him, you don't want Mora, like, poking and prodding. I get that and respect that. But just scanning the baby to keep an eye on it, that's fine. You know that doesn't feel like anything, like... I know you feel like maybe it's like a slippery slope kind of thing. Like, if I let him take his temperature, then before long he's going to be, like, wanting to put diodes in his brain. Yeah. Another a blood sample check off. Another skin sample check off. Yeah. Well, I also just think that that's, like, sort of a, like a grandparent trope where they bust in and try to start telling you how you're doing everything yeah. wrong. And so Odo was just kind of having a natural humanoid parental reaction to like mom i the baby's fine they have enough blankets it's fine do they have they need more socks no mom they're fine like i to me that babies don't want to wear one pair of socks you've put on three i'm just saying like that to me felt more like a grant a parent trying to keep their yeah totally like stand their ground with the like overly whatever yeah grandparents I will say, like, I feel like this is more what I had wanted the first Dr. Mora episode to be. Mm. Yeah, he was a little flat in the first one, I felt. This well, yeah, one, they just, this one the, the relationship is way more interesting. Yeah, well, it was more about the relationship was the last time it was the whole, like, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Odo bullshits. And, eh. Bullshits. Um, so it was nice to actually get. Because like, it's funny, like, this is an episode that I vaguely recalled. Like, I definitely remembered, like, oh, I remember he eventually, like, he... I remember this episode where Odo cares for a baby changeling. It dies, but before it does, it, like, absorbs into him and he turns into a burb. Yeah. It's very um, much like how when Lal died, again, this is very, very yeah. much like the offspring, uh, how Data absorbed her programming. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally forgot that. Yeah. Wow. Well, I remember you also didn't care for the offspring very much. I did not. <laughs> But um, but I had forgotten that Dr. Mora was part of the story. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, I remembered the gist of, the, like, the kind of vague points. I, I didn't remember the finer details, so... Like, I knew we were seeing him again someday, but I didn't remember it was going to be in this story. Oh, no. <laughs> Thank you, Shake. Quark, Quark being all, like... Like, I, I, I don't know what I did, but I did it! Just what? When Did what? <laughs> When Odo's all happy and buying drinks and shit. And he's stealing drinks. He said he was going to buy him one. He stole fizzy lifting drinks. Mm. I mean, he was rummaging around behind the the bar when it was closed. Well, yeah, I'm sure the idea was he would give him the latinum for it. Yeah, actually, we see something. We see that when Odo buys the baby, like, uh, I think Quark does this little thumbprint kind of scan to take the money. It reminded me of, like, the, the magic bands they have at Disney. Mm. Like, it is the future. Like, that is how people are going to have everything kind of just on them at all times. Well, yeah, I hope they all, hurry it the, the fuck up then. Thing before, though. Huh? Say again, I think we've seen the thumbprint thing before, too, though. Well, this was the time I noticed it. Well, I feel like this is the first time it's been explicitly to... Tip's the word I want. Pay for goods? Well, yeah, to, to authorize an exchange of latinum. We've seen it as, like, a signature or accepting a 
delivery or things like that. Well, is that also how it was done on Ferenginar? Oh, maybe? Because I, I don't remember. No, because on Ferenginar, no, right. he it was actually always had physical money, Latin that was getting yeah, passed yeah, yeah, around. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's interesting, though, that the, the changelings evidently gave Odo a thumbprint. Ooh, yeah. that's true. I didn't think like, of that. Like you, you can't have a defined nose, but you sure as shit am going to have a thumbprint I mean, I when think his really... balls are really smooth yes <laughs> when he's not... i don't know he's got pretty hairy wrists <laughs> it's like uh Jesus. i didn't say not not hairy i just mean like not wrinkly oh yeah. gross yeah when he's not like, uh... a, like a like gross a... sorry ames yeah I know. botchy ball trying to get away from this but we can't no no go ahead let's get away from it right now good when uh, when he's not because you know right now he is a human until the end of this episode and he apparently has fingerprints <laughs> When he's a changeling, does he have fingerprints? And how does he do money then? He must, I guess, huh? He must I, make it's probably himself? not a, a, a fingerprint, because you got to figure there's lots of yeah. species that wouldn't have... It's a biometrics thing, probably. Oh, yeah, probably. that's probably yeah. right. It's probably oh, just like sense. scanning his blood or something. Yeah, I like that. Like, I feel like a thumbprint, you know, is something you just have... A fingerprint is something you have just as a side effect of the way skin works and the way it works with hands. So it's something that the, you know, like, I'm sure they didn't consciously plan out his fingerprints so much as they gave him skin, and there it was. But yeah, they you're right, Jake. being the changelings? Yes, sorry. But yeah, Jake, you're probably right in that it's like a, probably just a biometrics thing. Speaking of biometrics, apparently Odo was uh, having some constipation the other day. Yeah, Julian prescribed him some prune juice. Prune Black juice. cat, did you just knock your head uh, on the table? Uh, buddy. <laughs> oh, puds. It's funny, though, that he has back pain because he's just too rigid. Yeah. And I actually like that as a setup for this episode, too, because he's trying to be more, like, loose with his yeah. kid. Yeah, that's true. And more, his more hippie. Hippie-dippy <laughs> than uh, rigid like his daddy. Yeah. I liked this. I liked that about this episode. I liked getting to know their relationship more, and I liked that Odo, finally being human, has ha- had to address his resentment towards his daddy. Mm-hmm. Mm. I loved all the acting with Jello that Renee Bourgeois oh got God. to do. Seriously, it actually all worked, which is yeah. you know surprising. Credit yeah, to him. he did a great job. Absolutely. Yeah, the little montage where he was pouring it into different shaped things. <laughs> so I was impressed by how well he spun that sphere when he had mm. to roll the sphere around the. He just went whoop, and it did exactly what it was supposed to. And I was like, "Well, goddamn, Odo, you skillful bastard." Oh, of course, he uh, he was a croupier in his early career. Was he? No. Oh. You know why He could be. True. Should have been a line at some point. And Moore's like, wow, you could actually do anything you want with your hair now. And you kept my stupid haircut. I'm uh, flattered. I like that at the end of this episode, Shakar's like, so you're going to come visit me soon? And she's like, get fucked, buddy. But then yeah. she goes to Odo and is like, I'm kind of sad. And he's like, me I'm too. Kinda, I'm kind of baby crazy. <laughs> Well, see, because again, like I said, Shakar, Shakar's got an agenda, and she's like, just gave birth. You've got to give me six weeks. Yeah, I'm going to need some time to relax the old bits. Anything else that specifically Yeah, not a ton, out? not a ton. It's, it's very much a character piece, um, and, a, and a very well done one. For the Jello, Yeah. <laughs> 
There was the point where he, for some reason, decided to bring the baby to the uh, replimat in a mug. In a mug, yeah. I was like, dude, you are <laughs> asking for shenanigans. What are you doing? I was really worried that, like, this was quickly going to become a, a plot where Quark clears his mug away and then he eats its search for the changeling baby and it was oh. going to be stupid and I was going to be annoyed. It becomes like one of those old Tom and Jerry cartoons where they're babysitting and they got to, like, chase it through a construction site. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was, that made me very nervous. I was like, please don't let that be what happens. And then it wasn't, so I was happy. Yeah, that would have been, uh, that would have been a choice and a not bad a good one. one. Not a good one. Speaking of Strong choices, let's talk about For the Uniform. Hey, I like it. So, in For the Uniform, like... Yeah. <laughs> where do I even begin? Uh, well, sing a snatch of your favorite bit of Les Miserables. I don't have a favorite bit of Les Miserables because I, I really don't like that show. Oh no, wait, I do. Lovely ladies, meh, 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 meh. I don't know the words, but there's this, the the prostitutes have a song. That's the song <laughs> I like best. Fair enough. One day more. There, fine. There we Twice go. we've done it. I hate it. Fucking yeah. Hate there's Les almost Miz. there's. I had to, I watched that the the musical. For this episode, because I'd never seen nor read Les Miserables. You and did? There is, there is nothing in that show that is catchy. No, it's not good. And people love it. I people remember. Love it. They love it. I've never really read love it. it. I've never seen it. I've seen segments. I got um, up to Waterloo, which is like 120 pages in, and I was uh, like, fuck this. I was supposed to read it in like sixth grade. And That's it not was, sixth grade lit, well, Jesus. It, it was even in a, in a, I mean, I'm sorry, seventh grade. Still too early. <laughs> still. <laughs> Gonna say, and yeah, it was, still not right. No. It was even an abridged version. Was there pictures? Come on. No, no. <laughs> but it was still the most overly wordy pile of bullshit. Yeah, no. Clearly, Victor Hugo had no editor. But what? he likes to fuck, right? Didn't we read about Victor Hugo was loving to fuck? I'm pretty sure I it was. I think he was a big fan of fucking, yeah. Why are we talking about Victor Hugo, you may ask, dear yes, reader? Yes, sorry. Well, question. the reason why is because we forgot what kind of show this was, and we thought it was classic literature corner, and it is not. So, uh, in this episode... We're back to that son of a bitch Eddington. And, Yay! uh... Captain Sanders shows up and is like, hey, Cisco, they're gonna, they've put me in charge of finding him now because you keep fucking blowing it. You've had like eight months and you fucked it. So I'm gonna do it. And Ben Cisco has a field day on a fucking punching bag while like screaming about. Don't like, call Dax that. <laughs> Apparently he's never lost before and he's taking it like not very much like an adult. And. Uh, instead of having being taken off the case, he's like, fuck it, I'm doing it anyway. And he stays involved, and he finds out from somebody named Sing Ta where the Maquis might be, I guess. And at some point, he and, uh, he, and the reason for the Les Mis thing is that Eddington's like, my favorite book is Les Mis, and you remind me of Javert. Do you know this character, Javert? Let me and explain maybe, the book to you. And maybe in like the mid-90s, people didn't know who Javert was, but now I feel like it's just part of the zeitgeist and you must know who Javert is. No, they did because apparently the musical had just gotten big right around this time. Yeah, no, I remember like even as someone who didn't follow theater, I was like, you know, 10 years old or whatever, or 12 at this point, however... I remember that fucking poster being everywhere when the touring company came to Boston. Ugh. Barf. 
So Cisco is Javert. Yeah, he's Javert, which if you've been living under a rock, Javert is like a chief of police who tries to track down Jean Valjean, who... Here's the thing. Here's why it doesn't really make sense. Jean Valjean, he's arrested for stealing bread to feed his his family. He does his time. And Javert still wants to find him. Does he do that with... Every fucking criminal that like gets out of jail after doing his time, or is well, it just he, because? Well, right, I know because he lies. He's like yeah, he Jean tears Valjean up his breaks parole. He tears up his his prisoner papers and becomes like the mayor of a town and shit. But like, still, it's not like he's done anything wrong after that. Just leave him alone. I love that this episode is just going to be us tearing up Les Mis. I'm well, for this because I feel like I know more about Les Mis than I understood about this episode. Like, basically, it was just like we're going on an Eddington hunt and. Like, the first time they go to find him, they got fucking tricked again, and it was just a probe. It was a good trick. It was was. a good trick, but, like, also hilarious because Ben Sisko's already been beating up this punching bag, being like, he tricked me! (laughs) Getting some really good-ass Avery Brooks acting in this fucking episode, my God. And, like, I don't know, I just felt like this whole time Eddington had this fucking, like, I know, sorry, Ames, this is a Batman reference, but he felt like he was just, like, riddlering around, Frank <laughs> gorshening all over the place, oh, yeah, calling spe- Ben Sisko Javert too fucking many times. Specific 60s Riddler. But like, he does it come in on, the new- Javert. Like, he called him Javert, like, ten times. We but fucking Caitlin, get it. You've never read another book. But, okay. Caitlin, he does it in the new Hollow Communicator, which <laughs> everyone loves. They don't love it. Yep, no. I know. I loved it. We never see it uh, again. <laughs> thank Good. God. I hope we also never see Eddington again. I hated it. So anyway, Ben Sisko's getting pretty fucking... Oh, oh, sorry. I left this one out totally, and I apologize. You, you said you wouldn't be able to do a synopsis of this, Caitlin. I'm loving it so far. Yeah, well, it's taken like 35 minutes, so <laughs> it's not... The whole episode is just going to be me talking about Les Mis and this <laughs> shitty fucking episode. But uh, no, it wasn't a shitty episode. I just, you guys know, it's brainy and it's political and I hate that. I don't want to think. <laughs> I just don't want to think. Okay, yeah, but, we'll get to this. But at any rate, so the McKee drops some bioweapons on some Cardassians and that's like kind of the end of, that's the end of it. Like, no more. Stop fucking around. So Ben Sisko decides he's going to use some bio warfare as well against the motherfucking Maquis. And he does. And Eddington's like, whoa, you've betrayed everything you love. And Ben Sisko's like, fuck you, buddy. And I'm going to keep doing it until you turn yourself in. And I'm going to fucking rip up every one of these Maquis hideouts until you do what I want. It looks like he means it, and apparently Eddington thinks so too, because Eddington's like, no, we'll turn over our bioweapons, and Sisko's like, that's not enough, bitch. And he's like, fine, I'll turn myself in too. And Ben Sisko's like, all right. And then he blows up the planets anyway. No, he doesn't do that. <laughs> he, does, he does one of them. He, he, he right. blows up he one He gets the planet. one to prove his point, to, to show that he means business. To but prove the, that he's the a thing war is, criminal. It seems, I mean, the, well, no, but I mean, the good thing, the good thing air quotes, if there is a good thing, is it doesn't sound like it's going to kill them all necessarily. It sounds like it's making it uninhabitable, which means that if they Woof. know they can get out, right? Woof. Like, that Listen. was the thing. No, no, but but Eddington even says, you're going to make all these people homeless. He doesn't say, you're going to murder all these people. Yeah, he but says, the you're going to make them all the homeless. is because they made a whole bunch of them homeless. Well, like, we understand that, right? I thought the- guys, guys, it's fine. 
the Cardassians and the Marquis are going to trade planets. We all have a laugh about the fact that Cisco committed a war crime without clearing yeah, with Starfleet Dax first. loves it. The episode really didn't seem to want to condemn him, which makes me uncomfortable. No, we're on Javert's side now, is the thing. This I, is what I, this episode I, is done. It said, hey, Javert was right. Let's be on his side. Yeah, and then Dax I like says, when man. the villain wins. Says Jadzia Dax. Well, I, 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 I don't think it's necessarily that so much as... Go on, Jake. You know, it's showing us that in in total war, where the where one side is willing to do horrible things, it's saying, what to what extent does the Federation's values hold up against that? Yeah. That's um, a great question. The fact that they have Cisco decide to go and poison a planet... Well, right. ...is exactly. a lot. It says yeah, a oh, lot. It is a lot. And I mean, and, and this won't be the only time that Cisco is going to do very ethically, I won't even say ambiguous, but, you know, things that could be condemned um, Neat. from an ethical perspective. Yeah, I just remember, like, we gave Picard a lot of shit during Journey's End about, re about relocating the people of that colony. Yeah. And then you, we, we've moved those people. They they got angry and became McKee, and then Cisco went and poisoned their planet, so they have to move again. So we're gonna yeah. I'm gonna give Cisco a lot of shit too. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't trying to suggest that I was like totally great thing that Ben Cisco did. No, but the episode <laughs> seems to be saying. That. Yeah, it that does. Fair enough. I just want to clarify that I wasn't like, yeah, war crimes. Like great. I was expecting the episode to like treat it with more gravity than it did there was, was... a cut scene okay there was a oh. cut scene i think they could have cut the entire let's do a montage of us learning how to run the defiant manually could have been cut entirely oh goodness yes uh it was yeah, like 15 was minutes annoying. long well i don't know i thought that i don't know really what the purpose well first first thing one yeah. thing you totally missed in your synopsis caitlin was that eddington Oh, Once yeah. again, sabotages the Defiant. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, he, he, like, pre-planted a virus when he was still chief of security and no one found it. He's a brilliant I, listen, Jake, man. I left it out because I figured everyone would assume. Yeah, Some, <laughs> Not because I totally forgot. Not because I totally forgot, but because I figured everybody would figure. Thank you, Jake. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of... We probably didn't need the whole montage no. of the, the how to run the ship thing. But I did, I did think that was a nice touch in the episode. Yeah, I, I mean, that, we needed, know. I guess, a little of it, but you could have trimmed it down. Yeah, like a quarter of it, maybe a quarter. But I, like there was a, a cut scene that I mentioned that I think would have made this episode a little bit more. It would have felt more like like like, like a discussion than a just presenting you with what Cisco did. Yeah, and that was there was a scene in which I believe it would have been Bashir and O'Brien just mm. chatting about their experiences when Eddington was on the station hmm. and being like, oh yeah, we kind of liked Eddington. Like, it's interesting that this is a thing he's doing now. Like, and they would have kind of like talked about like, do they believe in his cause? Do they like him as a person? And they would have decided at the end of their little scene together that they kind of like Eddington. And that got entirely cut. Mm. So you, you kind of lose that, you know, is Eddington also in the right here kind of discussion? That we used to have with the McKee. Yeah, well, and that's, I guess, part of the problem, too, is, like, the minute he starts using biological warfare, you're like, ooh, wait a minute. But then Cisco does it, too, and you're like, ah! 
No? Bad? Everyone? No? This is... Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely... Nobody is clean. No. And I think that's what the episode is trying to show. Yeah. Like, and it does, you know, I think, pretty this successfully. This is a war, you know, and, like, the, 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 the victims, you know, you have these two guys, Eddington and Cisco. You know, and for Cisco, it's it's a personal vendetta. Very much so. You know, and Eddington is still this this you know freedom the freedom fighter yeah. trope. And really, the the victims of this are the the refugees, <laughs> the right? friends we made along the way. You know, <laughs> every, everybody, both Cardassians and Maquis, who have no interest probably whatsoever in this fight at this point they just want to get on with their lives hmm. are caught up in this you know this pissing match between these two dudes so we know where some of the McKee colonies are result. yeah what's that we know where some of the McKee colonies then are because we go and we find one and we poison it and we say we'll do this to all the other ones too so yeah, it I seems think, like they must I, have a big old list of them for some yeah, reason. Yeah, what what are these planets? Are they all Maquis, or are there also just tons of random like innocent civilians? I think though that I think they're using Maquis as sort of like a catch-all term for former Federation colonists who are now in Cardassian-controlled space, mm. and like so, like they they're not necessarily the militant Maquis, the ones that go around doing terrorist shit, but they are. You know, people that were forced resettled as a result of the, the treaties. Why yeah. don't Wesley and the Traveler come back and help? Fair. Good maybe question. they will. Ah, actually, maybe Wesley. Political. Maybe Eddington has grown up Wesley. I mean, maybe what they should have fucking. <laughs> maybe what they should. Oh my god. Maybe Put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> maybe what they should have goddamn done was now that there's a new Cardassian government sat down with them and gone, can we fix this awful, awful, terrible, horrible, bad, nothing good has come of a treaty we signed a couple of years ago? You'd think. Well, the, that, the, the Cardassians, are they still at war with the Klingons, or did that end when we killed something no, Martok? No, I guess that's probably still happening. There's a lot going on in the universe right now. Yeah. But admittedly, that didn't happen straight away, so I feel like they could have, you know, I don't know. Because that, I mean, we said it in TNG, and we've said it, like, nothing good has come out of that treaty for either side. It is one of the biggest idiotic political mistakes in all of Star Trek. You blame Jellico. Yeah, I will. Fuck him. Jackass. Um, yeah, it does seem like, you know, obviously the, the border issues are terrible. Mm-hmm. But it's also consistently now put the Federation into the into the um, position where they have to defend Cardassians. Yep. You know, and, and to basically take their side in things where the Federation probably doesn't want to take their side. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, it's maybe a little easier now that the military government has been replaced by a civilian one. And, like, presumably, we don't know because we haven't seen a ton of it, but we presume they are better faith actors than their predecessors. But there was still, yeah, yeah a long that. time there where they kept having to step in on behalf of obvious liars and bullshit. Like, when Captain Maxwell, like, was right, but he was going yeah. about it the wrong way. Kind of thing, you know? And it, it, it is. It's like, 
Again, that whole treaty was made with a government that was acting in bad faith the entire time. And they're still dealing with the ramifications of that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely, it's a deal with the devil, right? Yeah. It's, you know, there's probably historical parallels that could be drawn with, you know, various treaties that the United States has been involved in with Mm -hmm. questionable, you know, morally questionable regimes around the world. Mm. And so, I mean, probably at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the Federation, we've talked about this before, they they do not have a a moral high ground. Not at all. Really. They're like the United States upon which they're based. They have they they talk a big game about, you know, our our ideals and our, you know, promoting democracy and whatever the fuck they want to say. But at the end of the day, they're just trying to expand their sphere of influence yep. and, you know, negotiate advantageous political deals with with rivals yeah and at the end of, and it doesn't really matter who they're doing business with as long as it furthers the goals of the federation yeah and you know and I, I think i've said this before but like it's fine to say you know we've got the prime directive we don't interfere with other societies but you also don't have to be their friend if they suck you know like you don't have to open trade with the um What's it planet there? The, I don't know what you're going for. Oh, the one where Riker was dating the the woman who wanted to be a woman and not androgynous. Oh, uh, oh from the Outcast. The Outcast. The outcast. Like the Outcast planet sucks. And like, yeah, you can't steam in and be like, stop being assholes because you've got the Prime Directive. Fine, but don't talk to them. Don't trade with them. Well, what if they have something you really need? Well, and that's the thing, though. That's why you can't claim to have a moral high ground. It's like how it took years of activism and protest to get us and most of the world to stop actively working with the apartheid government of South Africa. Yep. You know, like, we were happily trading with them because it was like they had shit we wanted. And, yeah, no, I mean, again, they kind of, they hint at it a lot here and there previously, but DS9 is very much laying bare the like hypocrisy and failure of the federation and by by extension sort of like jake said because the federation is clearly in tos and tng the federation is what america thinks of itself as it's at its best and ds9 is the series that's going excuse me it's kind of ironic though that uh eddington gets taken down by the side of the federation that he like gave benjamin shit about you know Mm. Maybe it's not ironic. No, really. Depending, it proves his point. That's also true. But I do think it was a smart move not to ask the Federation before he did it, though, because this way Benjamin can he can act like he can still act like the Federation is clean because he Mm. acted on his own. Oh yeah, he didn't actually ask for permission. So we never see any bad bad circum. What word? Comeuppance. Comeuppance. Yeah, you never see comeuppance for Cisco doing. I don't know. I will flip all of these tables, guys. I'm guessing not, yeah, just I'm, because I'm Star Trek likes to have shit happen and then forget to, about it. You know, some admiral called and said, Ben, uh, uh, shouldn't have done that. And then, uh, and then they'll say, like, yeah, but I got Eddington. And they'll say, okay. Well, see, he gets the stern. What do they do is they send an admiral in person who goes, Ben, oh, mm. And then, they, like, right before he leaves, go, off the record, good job. Jesus Christ. Right. They love that off the record shit. 
Yeah, I was so happy when they actually took him off the case and said, Sanders is gonna do your, do the Eddington stuff from now on. Because A, you've been failing at it, but also it's like, he's made it way too personal. And when he's made it way too personal, it means that he's disregarding other shit. Like yeah. say, the safety of colonists on, on these planets. And not using chemical warfare like, that's to the, get his ends. That's the yeah. neat. It's like eight months in reality as, as a major hunt for a fugitive who has so many places to hide is less the issue and more the, your judgment is very clouded. Yeah, like how do you even get, how do you even get a fugitive in space? You're not talking about a planet or like a country. Yeah. You're talking about literally like an entire quadrant, maybe two if he decides to wormhole it up, right? Three? Yeah, when they found that, that when they found that Maquis Raider, and my first thought was, why the fuck can they easily find a Maquis Raider? Shouldn't the Maquis be, like, using certain, like, transponder codes or something to throw them off to make them think, like, they're a freighter or they're they're just a normal ship or something? And I was ready to, like, pitch a fit about that until we learned that it's actually a beacon throwing out false codes, and I was like, yay! Good work, Eddington. That's the thing. Eddington, he knows all the weird little tricks that the fleet has either used or encountered over the years, and he uses this, them well. This this one little trick, Starfleet captains hate him. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think, you know, there's, there's another argument to be made here in that Eddington had already started the biological war, and, you know, by poisoning the Cardassian planet, and he would have been, he would have continued doing that. Oh, totally. He stated his plan was to get all of the Cardassians out of the disputed territory. Mm. He specifically doesn't hurt Federation folk. Like, he leaves the Defiant okay, and he doesn't hurt Sing Ta. Yeah. Well, he condemns he him, to, him. To, a, to a horrible death. Yeah, I, I didn't mean, kill him. But at the same time... He theoretically gave Ben enough information that they could try to find him. him. Yeah. But I do think that Cisco's rationale for going through with, with the, the plan, with the poisoning of the Maquis planet. Like, really, he's trying to put... He's trying to figure, like, okay, we can't run this guy down. We're not... He'll always be a step ahead of us. Yeah. And Jed- there's no way we're going to catch that, him. Right? Doesn't Jed Zia comment yeah. on how he's always, yeah. like, several steps ahead? Like, there's no... Like, it's just, it's not going to work. In like you were saying, Caitlin, like, we, we're not going to catch a fugitive in space. Um. And if he continues what he's doing, he's going to eventually kill a lot of people, right? Yeah. So, you know, on on one hand, while what Cisco did was reprehensible, you can also kind of take the perspective that, okay, he did what he had to do to put a stop to, you know, this terror that, that the Maquis was going to... Well, do. right. In a way, I feel like it was actually like sort of more realistic because it was sort of like needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few. But it's like the actual way it happens, which is that in shows like this, like if it was Picard, he'd be like, no, I don't want a single person to have to perish. And in reality, like save the Romulans. Yeah. But like in real life, unfortunately, like. These are the kind of decisions that get made every fucking day by like who knows who, like generals or people foreign in you know foreign countries who should who shouldn't be there. But that's a whole other story. But it's like you have to decide to let thirty people die so that the rest of these people can get away, like all the time. And if if 
what was going to happen was, well, we can either, I mean, seriously inconvenience these people by fucking up their planet, but at least they're not theoretically going to die, theoretically, to stop the Maquis from killing who knows how many motherfucking people. Were the Maquis killing Cardassians or just poisoning their world so they'd also become refugees? I mean, in the past, they definitely attacked Cardassian cargo. Uh, whether or not anyone died as a result is a little vague, but I'm sure there have been, there've been fatalities in the past. I have a theory. I have a stupid theory. All right, so, so Cisco decides, I'm just going to go full villain on them, because we yeah. know Avery Brooks is so great at going full he villain. Is. Really and my is. thought was, Jesus, he's being he's being Doctor Noah from that Arman Bashir episode. Yeah, maybe maybe some of that programming just remained within his his subcutaneous transponders or something. There we go. I like that. He's mustache twirlingly evil. <laughs> I do I do get why. By the way, they had the uh, the hollow. The communicator thing, just because it was a little like, I do feel like it worked better because obviously, you know, that way he was actually on set with Eddington's actor instead yeah. of talking at a blank screen. Yeah, talking at at a a panel would have been a very different. Yeah, I know Ronald D. Moore said it's been one of his his pet peeves forever. That why does everyone just talk to the view screens? The view screens are boring tech. Like they sure. certainly would have something more advanced than that by now. Let's do the hollow communicator. And he convinced everybody, let's do this hollow communicator because it will mean Eddington will be in the room and we'll try to make it look like he's 3D and all this thing. And they're like, oh, Plus we're going to do this whole outfit. And he definitely went the outfit was good. It was a good outfit. I, I liked, liked it. it. Liked yeah, so the, the very first we see it is when Sanders is going gonna, is gonna to show up on the hollow communicator and we're building it up and we're building it up. And they're like, okay, we're going to use it. And it's on. And it's just a guy standing there. And I was like, God damn it. This is anticlimactic. Yeah. Well, I think, too, like, when I think about Star Trek episodes where we've only, it's a big, serious thing, and we only use the uh, view screens, or not episodes, even just Star Trek in general. Yeah, I think like Kamalak. Wrath of Khan is the mm-hmm. one I think of, because Wrath of Khan is incredibly powerful, even though they're never in the same room together. But, like, Wrath of Khan, this episode is not. <laughs> so I feel like anything short of Wrath of Khan, you need something to mix it up, especially if it's going to be that kind of episode. So I, like, admire the choice to try it, but I agree that they failed in the delivery. It was definitely just kind of like, really? No no special effects? No... Yeah. I mean, even, like, a light buzzing sound. Or even, like, yeah, just a... little wibbly-wobbliness of it. Different colored light bulb above the guy in the... You know. Some kind of effect. Anything. Yeah. Well, they were um, trying to get around using effects because effects are, are expensive. expensive. Oh yeah, not even not even effect, just just a fucking single spot <laughs> with a different fucking gel. Speaking of lighting and effects, remember how there was that episode that time, and who was it? Was it O'Brien that I made this comment about? I don't remember. Remember long ago there was an episode that involved like prison time, and there seemed to be like barred lighting. Coming down on them during oh, the scene. Was, yeah, it hard, yeah. was it hard time? It, I think it so. probably was. So after Cisco decided to go full villain, when he and Dax are like chatting about how they like when the villain wins, they actually had that those bars again on Cisco. I think they were ah. on Dax as well. 
which makes me just think that it's just part of the hallway and not actually meant to mean anything. But I still liked it because I was like, oh, cool. He's been bad again. There's been badness. And now there are bars again. Fantastic. So I hope that was intentional. I don't know. I kind of feel like it might just be like a walking through that part of the defiant that happens. I don't know. Not know. Oh, yeah. I'm bad at noticing these things. I did enjoy some uh, Odo sass we got here. Yeah, I was going to bring up the Odo sass. Do you uh, ever remind Starfleet they uh, put him here because they didn't trust me? No. Bad Odo impression, Chris. Remind them. <laughs> no, I know. I'm not even... Look, with these two on the case, I'm not even going to try to pretend I can approach him. But I just thought that yeah, was he's funny. He's just petty. It was petty really as fuck. Funny. Yep. But he's earned it. How did you like... Nog literally being the communications this episode. Oh, that was fun. It did, like, I guess, it did feel like a lot of that was trying to give it some sort of, like, old school, like... Submarine movie? Yeah, or even just just, just any kind of old school, like, war naval. Because you feel like you always have that, like, you know, with older ships, there was always that shouting into the thing. Full power, full power, cut to the engine room. What's that full power? Ding, ding, with the thing there. With the <laughs> with the thing. I know the thing you mean. Ding, yeah, the, yeah. Um, Iceberg, right ahead. Yes. Oh, no. So it reminded it, me of um, Sigourney Weaver's character in Galaxy Quest. Mm. I've got me one too. job on this ship. I was going to say that. It's stupid, <laughs> but I'm going to do it, okay? <laughs> I was legitimately, once Chris was done speaking, going to say that. You beat me to it. Oh, I'm too fast for you, Caitlin. I apparently... Well, please, we've been going for walks together. We already knew that was the case. More walks. I gotta get quicker. Yeah, I gotta was... get quicker so I can keep up with Ames. I feel like they executed it pretty well. Like, they didn't... Like, after they did it, say, the first or second time, it kept happening, but they never really drew major attention to yeah, it. Yeah, they established it, and then you you understood what was happening. Yeah, and, you know, he, they did a really good job of, like, whenever there was an order, he would repeat it, and this and that. It... it it gave it, you know, a very extra military feel, which, considering the themes of the episode and what was going on, kind of worked for it. Yeah, yeah so Nog, Nog is in Starfleet Academy right now. Yep, he's he Mr. Like Academy. very, very military, which no one else in the show ever seems to be. Like, he walks in, he does the salute, he does the yes sir, yes sir. You have to tell him to stand at ease or him to, like, you know, stand at ease. No one else in the station does this. Well, you probably loosen up after you're out of the academy, but also, like, I don't know, I feel like he's got extra to prove to Cisco. so if mm-hmm. I were Nog, I would probably be ultra... Well, not just to Cisco. I feel like, you know, being the first Ferengi in Starfleet, you know, and keeping in mind that, as we have established, it's, you know, for all that, again, the Federation's all about holding hands and being friends, it is totally 100% okay to be racist against Ferengi in the Federation. Like, he's got that extra layer of bullshit he's gonna deal with so i think it makes sense that he'd be a little more uptight even like i'm sure in general like cadets are more uptight than officers especially ones who've been there for a while but like i'm sure even compared to other cadets he's a little extra hard-assed because he has to be because he's got a lot working against him uh culturally so i think it makes sense that he would be you know an overachiever in some regards i agree I liked the Breen nursery rhyme. I thought that was a very nice touch that they're sending coded messages that are just Breen nursery rhymes. And they're trying to figure out, like, is it, is it the, the rhyme structure that's the actual sequence? Is it, well, what does it translate to? Like, just random beeping noises because the, be- the Breen are fucking, have a very strange language? I don't fucking know. 
Yeah, but then it's just... It's funny, Kaylee. Go to a Breen planet. They Done. called him the Riddler, because in some ways he was... Sort of. Like, he wasn't intentionally leaving obvious clues, but there was like, you know, he said once, leave things in plain sight, and that's where they're like, oh. Hey, Caitlin, what's what's another word for mystery? Enigma! <gasps> Enigma! <laughs> Mr. Edward Nigma. My and, god, we've solved it! <laughs> and then, like, part of figuring him out was the, like, armchair psychoanalysis, because he was like, have I ever mentioned how I love Les Miserables, blah, blah, blah? So I think is. I'm Jean Valjean, which makes you the villain. But also, like, imagine doing biological welfare on someone's fucking warfare. Warfare? What did I say? Welfare? That's not a thing. <laughs> That's biological <yeah. laughs> warfare on someone's planet and being like, "What? I just stole some bread to feed my family. Get <laughs> fucked, asshole." Yeah, that's what he it's crosses. Not the same thing. You do cross an important line. Shit. Yeah, I thought I thought they missed a, a, a small opportunity they could have cashed in on when they're talking. They talk Les Miserables like at length all fucking show long. It could and have then, been a musical episode. Dear God, God no! <laughs> um, but then when they find the, when they say the coordinates, I was convinced it was going to be Jean Valjean's prisoner number. But then that it wasn't. Funny. Oh, what was I watching the other day that that was the case? Oh, there was something. It was was like, there? So, oh, it was The Simpsons. We were watching The right. Simpsons, and uh, when Bob, when, uh, uh, when Sideshow Bob number. gets out, his his prisoner number was, you know, nine zero two one zero or whatever the fuck the number is. <laughs> it's specifically after where he gets out and marries Selma. Yes. Hmm. And times. I was like, that number sounds familiar. Google's. God damn it, Simpsons. <laughs> Okay, that's good. That's a good reference. It was good. I liked it. I was proud of them. And I'm also glad I caught it. Because, again, I, I'm not much of a fan of, of Les Mis, but, you know, there's certain things I just yeah. probably like. Yeah, so, so. I, I watched the, the Russell Crowe oh, no. movie, which apparently, like, I just because it was on Netflix or Amazon Prime or wherever the fuck I found it, it's fucking 50 songs. Oof. Like, I found on Wikipedia, it lists all the songs. There are 50 fucking songs. I don't think they deliver a single line of dialogue without speak singing, and I was done super fast. Well, I, I mean, know, but but you, you you did mention it had Russell Crowe in it, so yeah. it couldn't have been that bad. I know you love Russell Crowe, Jake. I mean, he is one of the greatest living actors. Yeah, but actually, I don't know if you're being sarcastic and you just don't know or what, but apparently his performance is terrible. I wouldn't what? be able People to tell said because he was they were just speak singing. Pancake mouth throughout. See the oh, big the no, big problem with that, that. Sorry, but that's I'm just trying to protect you. <laughs> the big problem with that particular adaptation, I remember reading about it when it came out, was that the director was like, "We're going to capture all the singing live unlike most yeah, movie did. musicals." And it's like, "There's a reason they don't do that, you fool." And this movie proved that. Yeah. Do you guys follow Lindsay Ellis at all? Yes, but I don't she's, think I've watched her video on it. She's Well, there's not a video on it. Here we go. She did a video on the on the movie Cats. Okay. Uh, and I, I watched that's a, a I've seen Cats. It's as ridiculous as you'd think. And in the in her uh, coverage of um, the movie Cats, she talks a bit about the movie Les Misérables mm. because it's the same director. Okay. And be, and because they do the same thing in both both movies is that they try to make it hyper realistic, which is a mistake. Because it's a musical meant yeah. for the stage. And yeah. why the fuck would you do that when you can't do the, you know, the, t the suspension of disbelief when you're watching a movie? 
sigh. Stupid sons of bitches. But also, yeah, I gotta stop watching musicals just because I also just don't like musicals. The only... I remember once I stumbled... There was, unfortunately, I actually went looking at these videos a little while ago and they seem to have all been taken down. Oh no. But, um... Apparently, uh, Broadway shows are huge in South Korea. Ooh. And there was a really great version of One Day More. I didn't understand a word of it because it was all in Korean. But it was just a good... The, the cast was really selling it. And the emotion was huge. Like, wow, this seems like a great song. And then I listened to an English once. And I was like, it's better when I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> uh. But yeah, that, that's, I think, the one time I ever got hooked on anything from Les Miserables was a Korean cover. Hmm. I've seen uh, two friends of ours do a uh, an all-female si- singing of the song Between Jean Valjean and Javert, hmm. and they nailed it, but, you know, it's still... Like, I, I... Knowing that everyone says, like, the biggest adversarial role is, you know, between Jean Valjean and Javert, and it's this big rivalry thing, and then I watch this movie, and maybe it's better in the book. I don't fucking know. I've not read the book. And it's just like... They just seem to exist and not care for each other. What yeah, I was, was gonna say, that's the what thing. What was the thing? Because Jean Valjean is just fucking living his life, and Javert yeah. is like, I'm gonna fuck it up for him. It's <laughs> not even that. It's He just keeps coming across him as time passes, and every time he comes across him, he's like, oh yeah, you! Fuck you! You know, I think uh, Javert and Valjean is more better uh, executed in the fucking Lupin anime. Because one is still actively a criminal, and the other is always actively pursuing him, and has let it get personal, the fool. Um, oh, by the way, I did check. Yes, Victor Hugo was an enormous hornball, to the point that apparently when he died, the brothels in Paris closed, so all the workers could pay respects to their most oh loyal customer. God. Gene Roddenberry would have loved it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, his his kind of guy, I think. Also, apparently he had a party trick where he would put a whole orange and some sugar in his mouth and actually managed to chew down the orange and then slug it back with a shot of liquor. I don't want to picture this. Yeah, that's actually very upsetting. All I can figure is I'm sure oranges in general were a lot smaller back then. Like, they're probably not what we now <laughs> think of as like... Yeah, like what we now think of as like a tangerine or a clementine was an orange. Because I'm sure we've bred them bigger and bigger and bigger, especially this century. So it's probably a little less insane than it sounds. But yes, that was apparently his Cardassian neck trick, because it was a party trick he pulled a lot. Victor Hugo sounds way more interesting than any of his books, is what it comes down to. Well, like like Jadzia says, Jadzia says he's just way too melodramatic, and I think that's probably that's probably right. Yeah. He also actually probably was getting paid by the word, because I feel like that was kind of the norm back then. Dickens was, oh, yeah. wasn't he? Which is why so many of his books are like a damn long. They're just padded. Well, he was paid by the issue, so. Ah. But still, he probably had to get bring the chapters into a certain specific minor, specific minimum length. That's probably true. But yeah, because I remember, like I said, and this was an abridged version I was reading, and it was just... And I was, you know, I was, I was, I was always into reading. I was a big reading kid, you know. I knew well before I even went to college that I was going to do literature. But I could not get through Hugo. It was painful. And again, I was also probably way too fucking young. Yeah, I can't imagine someone who's like 12 years old, 11 years old reading that kind of stuff. The curriculum didn't make a lot of sense. Because like, 
it really swung back and forth between this makes sense and what the fuck are you thinking? Like that was when, literally- When did they start you on Shakespeare? Uh, seventh grade. Damn, I didn't read Shakespeare till high school. Yeah. yeah I mean, well, not for school, me either. They started us, well, the worst part was they started us with uh, Julius Caesar, which I am firmly of the opinion that the, the, the histories are just not- I haven't, I haven't read the Henry cycle. I know that's supposed to be, like, fucking classic. But most of his histories, I've found, are kind of slow and anticlimactic. His dramas are fantastic, by and large. Most of his comedies make me want to bash my face into a wall. They're better watched than read. Well, I think that's... They're the better adapted. Play. They're better adapted than <laughs> yeah, anything else. That's true. Uh, just remember that, that Romeo and Juliet that we saw where they made it, like, punk rock? That no. worked. That was the fucking I didn't best. expect it to work, but it really did. That's funny. The reason I knew it worked was because it got... Because I'd never... That was the first version I ever saw. And... Mm. Really? Wow. Yeah. And it got to the balcony scene, which of course I knew because it's one of the most parodied fucking scenes in literature. And I was able to take the balcony scene seriously. Like, I was worried I wasn't going to be able to because it's just becomes such a joke now. Um, you getting bored over there, Jake? What? He, no, he was you're, just, you're, you're you're over there doing shit. Yeah, sorry, we wound up back on literature and stuff. Yeah, um, well, we're going to talk literature next week, read. too, though. Next week's going to be a great week. Whoa, next week? What are we next doing next week, week I'm Ames? so fucking jazzed for next week. Tell us Ooh. all about it, Ames. Why am I telling us all about yeah, you, it? Why not? You, all you, right. You were supposed to bring us out. Well, I mean, I know, but I feel like next week. This all is right, special? Fine. Yeah, are you special. Are you jazzed about yeah, next week, Yeah, I am very jazzed. So, I mean, here's, okay, so next week. Next week, guys. So first of all, I'm going to tell you the usual stuff. You should subscribe and save. We're <laughs> Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. I don't know which other ones. Didn't anymore. Jake get us on Stitcher? Huh? You got us on Stitcher. Stitcher. Didn't you? That's it. Yeah, Stitcher. Uh, yeah, that's. We're all those places, familiar. and you should definitely subscribe this week in particular <coughs> because next week we're going to do a 200th episode. Fuck. God damn it. <laughs> Keep it. It's perfect. Yeah, no, that doesn't in a nutshell. That's right. We're going to do a 20th, a 220th. <laughs> it's our 20th episode, everybody. Our 200th what? episode holiday Woo! spectacular. Woo! Jingle bells, jingle bells, Santa Claus the way. Oh, what Santa Claus? What are you doing? Stop it, stop it, stop it. What the fuck is going on over Phantom's there? Phantom's like eating string. Stop being an asshole, Phantom. Sorry. Anyway. So... So we're not we're not talking about Star Trek next week. We're just gonna be. I mean, we'll jerking talk ourselves about off about it, but not specific episodes. What we should try to show. do is is rewrite Jingle. You know how there's you know Jingle Bells, Batman uh, smells, but you know Jingle Bells, uh, Cisco smells, <laughs> the Eddington got away or something. Like, hey, we'll that works. To, you know, I like that. Yeah, Defiant lost. I'll leave. I'll leave that to you, Chris. Nacelle? We really should do our. Poop in the butt holiday album. Oh, no. It's been a long time. Poop in the butt. Poop in the butt. Current listeners don't get the reference anymore. No, but anyone who's been loyal to us since day one will know. That's true. Because now we're on day 200. If you don't include the 10 forwards in the shore leave. Yeah, so uh, that'll yeah. be fun. We've def- that'll we're be definitely fun. well beyond 200 episodes. Yeah. And we're going to have but guests. We are. Yeah. And we're yeah. going to yeah. have a variety show. We're going to have trivias. If, if Plus this... a very important special guest that we won't reveal until later. Well, because we need to 
see if the kidnapper comes through or not. Yeah. They better. We're paying good money. Mm. And we already have the sandwiches ready for him. Yeah. Is it Walter? Oh my god. Don't let it slip. Come on. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. But no, seriously, should, uh, it should be fun. Yeah. It'll be a little different, yeah. and it should be fun. Tune in. Uh, we'll be recording it live and then playing it uh, several weeks later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> True. So, look forward to that. So, call yeah. us at 1-800-STAR-TREK. <laughs> <laughs> what was... There was, like, some sketch... I can't remember. It's I, I only vaguely remember it where it was a call-in show, but it was a pre-recorded call-in show. So, oh yeah, did, did anybody remember the sketch? I don't even remember what it was. I don't remember who the actor was. Yeah, but it was peep. It was doing a call-in show, but everybody that was calling in was calling in about the previous week's oh, episode. Yeah, that's because that's what was airing at the time that they were recording it. Yeah, that's good. I. I Fuck, I remember that, but I don't remember like if it was SNL or what. Probably SNL. Yeah, so that's what, that's what we should start doing. Oh, yeah, there we go. Well. Yeah, look forward to that. Yeah, and then we'll be back to what you've come to expect and love from us after that. Mm-hmm. For now, I've been Caitlin. I've been Jake. This has been Chris. And this is always Ames. Gonna have to start diluting the beverages again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or Quark, Jesus. Oh, it was Mr. Show. That's right. Oh, Mr. Oh, Show is okay. good. Yeah. I like Mr. Show. Mr. Show. Yeah, it must have been David Cross and Bob Odenkirk, right? Yeah. I've only yeah. seen a handful of episodes, but it was really good. <laughs>